Hello, I'm Neil Whelan and welcome to the Wesleyan Podcast. We're here again with another update from our award-winning investments team. This time out, Martin Lawrence, our Director of Investments, and Marco Sullivan, our Head of Investments, look back on what's been going on with the economy and markets over the past few months, consider the impact of inflation and the cost of living crisis, and predict what may be coming over the horizon to affect us all in the months ahead. With this episode being about investments, I need to remind you that past performance is no indication of what will happen in the future, and the value of investments can go down as well as up, meaning you could get back less than you invested and your capital is at risk. As always, this podcast is for information purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. If you do need help with your finances, I'll be back at the end to tell you how you can find out more about that from us. And with that, I'll hand you over to Martin and Mark with James Heaney asking the questions. So I'm joined today by Martin Lawrence, our Director of Investments, and Mark O'Sullivan, our Head of Investments. And I thought it was really sensible for us to do a podcast at this moment in time because there's been a lot going on in investment markets and indeed the world. We've just celebrated the Platinum Jubilee in the UK, which I don't know about you two, Martin, Mark, it made me very proud to be British, but I just wished Ed Sheeran had sung another number for us. <laughs> But moving on swiftly to the things that matter for this podcast, we're going to be talking about investment markets, inflation, interest rates, and really talk about what's going on in the world and what it means for you, our clients. So over to Martin. Let's start with you, Martin. Mm. Um, There was a lot of widespread optimism following the Jubilee, which I alluded to earlier. But then on Monday morning, we were starting to find out about Boris Johnson and this confidence vote that's gone on um, in Parliament. So we know the results now. We know that 211 MPs voted to keep Boris as party leader and the Prime Minister, and 148 against. So that was enough to keep Boris in office for now. But what's the kind of general sentiment around all of this? And does that actually have any impact on markets whatsoever? Yeah, I think in terms of the market movements, it's probably less than you'd expect. It's a big political story, but on the global investment stage, maybe it's a lot more diluted. Um, And this is really because... As far as markets are concerned, they weren't really surprised that there was a confidence vote. There have been rumours about this coming up anyway. Um, And even with the result coming through, we've kind of seen these before. If you cast your mind back, Theresa May, we'd had confidence votes. And actually, the results weren't too dissimilar. So um, I think Boris's uh, majority was sort of 59% in terms of approval ratings, whereas uh, Theresa May was 63%. And yet, she still didn't survive. If you think about it, it was what happened after the confidence vote that was important. Um, And I think this is the situation we're now facing. It's the what happens next rather than what has just happened in terms of the confidence vote. And could it be, Mark, that this could have more of an impact on the UK market than international markets? Or is it really just something that longer term markets are just going to look past as yet another change of politician? Yeah, I think think markets will look through it. We've seen the price of the pound, pretty stable, interest rate expectations, pretty stable. So I think, yeah, the market is looking through that. I think there are a couple of by-elections as well, which will perhaps give us a a steer into, as we approach the next general election, as to what the actual parliamentary party think about Boris Johnson. So I think it will rumble on, but for the time being, I think it's on the back burner now. Interesting. And we touched on markets so far. And given where we are in June, we've got a few weeks left till the end of uh, June. But what's been going on in markets so far to date? And I'd like a global view here. You know, which are the outperformers, which markets have been doing well, which have been struggling a bit more in this current environment? 
I think uh, I'll, I'll start there, and Mark's probably got some bits he'd like to add. On the first half, I think what's interesting is we've had a situation where both bond markets and equity markets, so this is fixed income stocks and stock markets around the world, have both fallen. Now that's quite unusual because typically you'll get either stock markets are going up and bond markets are going down or vice versa. But for actually a common reason, which is this inflation and interest rate story that we'll come back to, we've got this situation that both have gone down. So from customer perspective, policy valuations will have fallen in the first half because there's almost been nowhere to hide and our job has been really to, be, to try and navigate those markets the best we can. So you talk about the regional differences, there are regional differences and even within the bond markets themselves they've performed slightly differently but the, the central message is actually both markets have fallen so far and that's quite unusual. And you touched on inflation and interest rates there. Mark, do you want to kind of sum up for everyone what's going on currently with this story? Because everyone is noticing the cost of living crisis. People are paying more for goods. We've just had the um, retail sales figures out, which have shown there's been a decline in May. Would you mind just covering that for us? Yeah, sure. So, uh, I mean, the cost of living crisis is, is the story at the moment, and we are seeing that manifested in the inflation rate prints that we're getting from from national statistic offices around the world. I mean, let's just dig into the UK, for example. We're currently with an annual inflation rate of about 9%, um, and it's looking likely to go higher as we get to October when Ofgem introduced another price hike. That's where we think and forecasters think that inflation rate will start to peak but that 10% rate is, is five times the 2% target rate that the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee are targeting. So very elevated, and that's where we're starting to see interest rates move higher. I think one interesting stat, because you know I love a good statistic, which when we were talking about the confidence vote, and if you go back to Theresa May's day, when there was the leadership contest that, that followed, so this was um, Jeremy Hunt going up against Boris Johnson, we'd got the same foreign currency rate, so the dollar rate against the pound was exactly the same as where we are today, it was about 125, but inflation back then was 2%, compared to what Mark's describing, you know, we're heading to 9 10% type levels. So even though it was only three years ago, we've got a really different investment landscape when it comes to this inflation and interest rate outlook. And of course, inflation is having an impact on everyday consumers, household budgets. People don't know, you know, how they're going to cope paying bills, and it is a real concern, which is why the government has stepped in with various packages of support, which were announced recently. But for companies as well, this is a big problem, isn't it? Because there are supply chain constraints at the moment, um, exacerbated by issues in China and the lockdowns there in the port of Shanghai uh, to try and control COVID. But also their operating costs are going up. So ultimately, that is also boosting prices for consumers, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're very mindful of this. I mean, we've, we've made the point previously that consumer expenditure is the revenue line of a corporation and if consumers are under pressure because the price of goods and services are rising then quite often they just have to consume less. Companies themselves have to face the same input price issues whether it's the raw materials that they manufacture goods with, whether it's the electricity costs. So corporations, make no bones about it, are under pressure as well and that's something that we'll be looking at for, for future company earnings results and forecast outlook for stock markets just to see how they're going to perform in that environment too. I think that there's two big points here for me. The From the corporate perspective, 
it boils down to profit margins and the outlook for their profit margins. And there's almost going to be this, this list that we've talked about in the past, almost like a split list. Those companies that have pricing power and are able to increase their own prices to offset the cost pressures they've got from their staff, from the products they're buying in. And then from the consumer's perspective, there's a question about what do they do with their savings. So there was this story that savings were built up during the pandemic. Well, now things are getting tighter. Are they running down those savings? Or are they going to reach back into the, the pockets and use the credit cards? So we've been watching things like the credit card data recently to see if there are any clues as to about what's going to happen with that savings pile. Does it still exist? Is it going to get us through this difficult period? Or, to your point earlier, are belts going to be tightened and consumers start to rein back on their spending? And I think that's something that uh, we'll be keeping a very close eye on. When watching the news at the moment, it would seem that people are booking holidays left, right and centre, and who can blame them? I myself would love to get away, I just haven't managed to find the time. Uh, and I think I can say the same for a lot of the investments team as well. We're too busy working, aren't we, gentlemen? That's the problem. But uh, we're seeing a lot of people wanting to go on holiday. The airports are in chaos because of flights being cancelled. Now, that's just one industry in terms of airline operators. Is that a sector you're interested in looking at at the moment? Which other sectors are you focusing on in terms of our research and where we want to invest money because of this current environment? And that's just one example. There are, there are tensions elsewhere, tight supply chains, rising prices. So who wants to start us off? Mark? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. So when we look at the data in terms of what's outperformed so far this year and what's underperformed, it's quite telling that the sectors that have really led the underperformance in equity markets are the technology sector, so in the US we've seen big falls in technology names, and that's because they started with very high, arguably COVID-related valuation levels when people were you know, forced to work from home. Obviously technology spend went through the roof and so did the valuations of some of those companies. And as markets have reopened, then some of that valuation and some of the underperformance has now started to come through. So we're very interested in that tech space. But also consumer discretionary, that's telling you that the consumer is under pressure. Some of those names in those sectors are down anywhere between sort of 20, 30, 40, 50% in some really big household names. So, so that interests us too. Consumer discretionary, do you mind just elaborating on what that actually means for everyone listening? Sure, I mean, this is it's a, it's a very broad sector, but it would be everything from clothing, apparel, to, to disposable goods that people would buy. And, and to be clear, people did splurge um, when we were in COVID. People, because they couldn't go out and, you know, go through travel and leisure um, activities, they did sit at home and the Amazon delivery and the doorbells were going and all of those goods were being purchased. So we do have to be mindful that did people over purchase and that's one of the reasons now that we're starting to rain back because the wardrobes are full, the house is full, the garage is full. Of, of course and I can I can fully of, agree with that. I'm in a similar situation myself. Of all of these goods but yeah there, there was undoubtedly again with our long-term lens there are some very good companies in that space that we're looking at given the pullbacks we've seen in some of those markets. And I think that you know, this consumer discretionary you know, term that we're getting to the bottom of, it, it interests us because by definition, it's the areas where consumers don't have to buy that product, but they have a choice over buying. So some things, as you well know, James, you simply have to buy you know, the food in your fridge, etc. But where you have choice, now we've talked a bit about holidays, but products, new TVs, where you have choice, 
if you have these built-up savings that we've been referring to, what are you going to use those on? Now, the initial thoughts, of course, were everybody's when economies reopen, they're going to be going back on holidays. So you think, actually, maybe it, it's the travel companies you were talking about earlier that have done well. Actually, less so. If you look at things like the airline stocks... They've not done as well as you think. So there was a slight recovery from COVID when everything fell very sharply, but they've not recovered as sharply as, um, I'd say, sectors like hotel companies because they've actually done a lot better. So there's almost like a split. It's not just the leisure sector. It's a bit more discriminationary than that in terms of just, just splitting up between the two. So we've got to be a bit careful about where we look. But if you ask us this question, what are we looking at, James? You know, my answer is going to be the same every year you ask me, which is we look at the areas that have underperformed. We look at the areas that have some value in them. So we're always picking through the things of the fall. So when Mark talks about technology shares have fallen, that naturally becomes more of an interest to us, not least because it was an area we were underweight before, so it's a natural place for us to go looking. Fascinating. And you may think that you sound like a broken record with that message, but you don't because we've just got a unique piece of insight right there. Who'd have thought that flights are down but hotel bookings are up? What are people doing? Walking to the hotels across the sea? Who knows? But um, fascinating stuff, Martin. I think it might have something to do with the oil that they have to put into the plane in terms of jet fuel. But uh, yeah, that's another topic. See, another insight right there. These gems just keep coming. Fabulous. And I think everyone is interested to know with all of this backdrop and everything we've discussed so far... What's actually going to be happening next? What do we think is going to be happening in the second half of 2022? Even though we've not quite finished this half year, who wants to take that one first? I'll start and then um, I'll let Mark add on. I mean, the interest rate. So if you go one step before the interest rates, because that's really the implication, the inflation story, what's been happening is this inflation story has still continued to get sort of bigger and longer, if you like, as in the peak for inflation has been increasing, which is why we've been talking about, you know, it was going to be seven, then eight, now nine, 10% the Bank of England are even talking about. So that's got higher, but it's also lasting for a lot longer than people thought. And because it's around for longer, that has impl- Implications on the outlook for interest rates and what started as being more of a a UK because actually we were one of the first to move um, last year it was the UK and US but now even Europe and and nobody thought Europe were going to move rates anytime soon they're now talking about rate rises so we've started to change our view on the outlook for interest rates and Mark I don't know whether you want to pick up our latest thinking on that. Yeah, um, it's a great point. So we we expect the US to start raising interest rates next week, um, a 50 basis points hike. But we expect this to continue into the year end. The UK, similarly, probably a smaller hike of about 25 basis points. But we'd look to see those um, central banks, you know, exiting the year with interest rates somewhere between two to three percent. I think is the is the current thinking, and then that will undoubtedly start to trickle into you know the, the costs of of people's expenditure, whether it's through mortgage rates or whether it's through loan prices. So that's where we'll start to see individual consumption patterns being affected by the monetary policy tightening that, that we'll see in the coming months and quarters. And I think this is key, really. Why do we focus on this interest rate? So we're generalising this sort of 2% plus interest rates. It's almost the building block for your investment returns. 
because whilst the 2% rate feeds into the government bond market and the returns we can get, it's also the building block for corporate bonds because they have kind of an extra margin built on top of that. So if you're getting 2 to 3% on your safe money if you like from governments, then you need corporates to be paying you more like 4% and those returns actually start to get more attractive. So what's of interest to us is as those interest rates, those yields in our language get higher in the second half of this year, they become more attractive and those are the sort of things we might even look to buy. And then from the, the shares point of view, the stock market, well, if we can work out this profit margin conundrum, those companies that successfully navigate that, the shares in those businesses will do well and that's what we're looking to pick through. I suppose one of the key questions are the heart of all this, though, as well, you talked about monetary policy there, Mark. Martin, you just referred to interest rates rising across the board in various territories, not just the UK. That's one way that central banks are looking to try and avoid, dare I say it, a potential recession. Do you want to just cover that off for us, the risk of recession? Is it a growing recession? Is it, is it a global recession that's on the horizon? Elon Musk recently said that he didn't have much confidence in the economy, but he's just one man. And we, I want to have your thoughts on this. Yeah, recession is, is a really emotive word for people, but I always remind people of the definition of it. You know, the technical definition of a recession is, in the jargon, two quarters of negative growth. Now, translate that straight away before you even challenge me, James. It means the economy shrinks for two quarters in a row. Now, in itself, that doesn't say anything about the severity of it. It would tick the box that says you are now in a recession, but a small recession would feel very different to a, you know, a short, sharp fall that we've seen. And don't forget, the biggest event there was COVID, where we saw huge falls. So it depends on how severe it is and which sectors are impacted as to what difference that really makes. So I think as a background context, let's just kind of not be so fearful of the word recession itself. The implications may be, but it isn't a kind of one size fits all. Good to know. And thanks for your thoughts on that, Martin. You know, at the end of the day, I think hearing your thoughts and Mark's in today's podcast will hopefully help to reassure people. As always, the investments team is working behind the scenes to make sure that everyone who invests with Wesleyan is getting the best possible returns that we can achieve for them. And that's done by our fund managers, analysts, and socially responsible investment team. And that's our show for this week. Thank you to Martin, Mark, and James. If you feel you could do with some financial advice, you can find out more about what we do and get in contact with us by going to wesleyan.co.uk. There you will also find more information about investing with Wesleyan, including the products available, our investment funds, and their past performance. For more regular updates on what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at Wesleyan and search for us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast and give us a like wherever you've downloaded it. But that's it for now. So until next time, thanks for listening.